Today, we welcome our dear friend, licensed educational psychologist and game creator, Tara Eddy, to the podcast. We have known Tara for years and have always bonded with her in that all three of us have a larger mission and want to impact kids and learners beyond our practices. She's on today to talk about her new game called Stomp It Out. We wholeheartedly endorse this game even more. Stomp It Out is designed to promote feeling identification and emotional expression, building emotional vocabulary, perspective taking, body awareness, and problem solving. We can't wait for you to hear about the game. Finally, there are only a few more days left to apply for Learn Smarter Pro. That's our eight-week coaching program. Applications are due January 26th. You can find the application in the show notes in your podcast app, or you can email us at admin at learnsmarterpodcast.com. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 139 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And today we are so excited because we are welcoming Tara Eddy, licensed educational psychologist and dear friend of ours onto the podcast. Hi, Tara. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Yay! We're very excited. This has been a long anticipated episode because we have been talking to you about this since we met. Yeah, I think so for several years. I'm so excited and so proud of you. But before we kind of dig into the meat of this episode and talk about why you're here, we'd love to know who you are and what you do and who you do it for. Absolutely. So I'm an educational psychologist. I have a therapy and evaluation practice. I support kids, teens, and young adults with anxiety, uh, with learning differences, ADHD, depression. I'm also a mom of two little kids. I have a three-year-old and a seven-month-old who was actually born right at the start of the pandemic. And then there's the sort of primary reason why I'm here today, which is that I'm the CEO of Feelings in Motion. And we've just designed a new game. Uh, the company is really approaching emotional learning in a new way, um, using movement-based tools to really get kids out of their seats and using their bodies while they're building really critical skills. Uh, and Stomp It Out is our first product. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about it today. Um, it's a game that supports kids' emotional and behavioral growth in really fun, dynamic ways. And it's really easy to use and facilitate and gets kids really excited about doing the learning. So fun. I, like, I can't wait to play. We definitely want to get into like the details of the game because we particularly think our audience is really going to connect with this. But I would love for you to sort of share the origin story of what brought you to, I have to bring this product to market. Where did the idea start? Was it with a particular client or a particular experience? And then how did it blossom from there? It's such a good question. About five years ago, six years ago, I was working as a school psychologist and I had a group of students that just really needed to learn in a different way. They needed to learn how to read emotion and faces. They needed to learn how to build emotional vocabulary, how to share about their emotional experiences and how to build new ways to cope and problem solve. And these were kids that they had trouble staying in their seats, kids that didn't want to talk about anything emotional and certainly didn't want to figure out new ways to handle some of the challenges that were coming up for them. And I searched 
high and low for new ways to help them build these skill sets. And I tried lots of different approaches and then I was like, okay, maybe they need a little bit more play. And so I, you know, everywhere from like your Amazons and your targets to creative therapy store where lots of therapists go to get materials. And I, I had a sort of a particular vision in mind and I just couldn't find anything that felt right. So I went ahead and I made a basic version of the game that I had in my mind. And even in its rudimentary form, even in this very basic form that was not nearly the sort of dynamic visual game that it is now, the kids responded to it immediately. And these kids that had such a hard time building some of these really critical life skills, it immediately shifted their approach to doing it. And suddenly they were able to access all of these skills and make progress in ways that I was having trouble getting them there before that time. It made such an impact. And I saw these kids having such an impact while playing the game and beginning to build some of these skill sets that they so desperately needed. I thought, okay, well, now I have to make it. <laughs> so then, then, you know, that was many years ago. And then, you know, I started building and testing the game and changing it according to how kids were responding to it. And then there was sort of the latest pivot, which is that right before I was about to hit go on production, uh, the pandemic hit. And so, you know, I was looking at that scenario and looking at how educators and families and kids have just been entirely, their whole life experience has been upended here and, and everyone is dealing with so much change. And I thought kids are really going to need this as a tool to manage this time period. So I paused on production and I added a number of situations that are COVID related, that are related to this experience that kids are having now and how they're learning and learning online and some of the challenges that come with school at home um, and the challenges that come with missing your friends and having this sort of sense that things are not as safe as they used to be and that the people that you love are not as safe as they used to be. And all of these different changes that kids are dealing with are now embedded in the game. And so then I went through final production after that. Yeah. And I have to say, just seeing the cards about COVID sparked me thinking this is exactly what's going on. And I can't wait to use it as a tool to open the conversation and talk about it a little bit more with the kids that I know are struggling with it. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's a tool to help them begin to have these conversations and begin to understand how they're feeling about what's going on for them now and work through it a little bit, because this is not a situation that any of us have ever been in before. This is not a situation that parents have dealt with, that educators have dealt with, that kids have managed. And we're all trying to figure it out. And we're all needing resources to be able to do that. And this is a resource that makes it easy to open up that dialogue. Yes, I'm looking at the changes and transitions cards and we'll go into it. But, you know, it's so just apropos in the moment during online learning. I don't like seeing my face on the screen with other kids in my class. Online learning is hard. So true. You thought you were going to be allowed to stay home today because you aren't feeling well, but you had to go to school anyway. Your favorite activity at school was canceled. Your parents' work schedule changed and now they can't be there for your school play. All these wonderful... So before I gush even more, can you walk our audience sort of, you know, podcasts aren't visual and it helps to see this game visually. So can you sort of walk our audience through the game and its components and how you sort of play? Absolutely. So there's two major components of the game. There are these large scale visual 
feeling that, where four characters are depicted in different emotional states. So there's 10 of those. And then there are situation cards. And those situation cards are categorized. There's five different topic areas. And they're also coded by an estimated grade range so that it's really easy to sort of pull out uh, not only topic areas. So for instance, if you have a child that's struggling a lot academically, pulling out some academic cards. If you have a child who's struggling more socially, pulling those out. If you have a child who is struggling with when limits are imposed or when they're trying to navigate having a sense of responsibility about something or something that they've done, pulling out those cards. If you're really wanting to focus on some of the COVID areas, that's the changes and transitions cards, which cover everything from something just not going the way you planned, which is still happening on like a smaller scale, not just this larger COVID scale. And then also all of these massive changes that kids are dealing with now related to their whole environment being you know, upended and shifted. And, and also there's some loss there too. So if you have a child who's lost a grandparent or lost a pet or a friend has moved away, you know, things that are really challenging for kids that are sort of outside of just this new experience that we're all having, those are all in there. So you've got situation cards and you've got the feeling mats. And what you want to make sure um, is that kids understand the feelings represented in the faces on the mats before you play. So there's a little bit of pre-teaching there. And for kids who are younger, you might choose just a few. You might spend a little bit more time on that. Or for a child who's on the spectrum or another child who's just taking a little bit longer to build those skill sets for whatever reason, you might spend a little bit more time on that. For kids that can pick that up quickly, you might only spend one small time period just introducing those to them to make sure that they know what they are. And then you choose your situation card. So there's tons, there's 150 of them. There's tons to choose from. And then also if you have certain things, you're like, oh my gosh, I just really want my kids to work on blank. Every category has write your own situation card so you can customize it to exactly what your kids are experiencing. So if something came up last week that you want to address this week, you create it for them. So it is exactly their experience. To choose those, then you put the feeling mats around the room. So for older kids, you can put all 10 and make a big circle. For younger kids, you might want to start with you know, three to five mats and some of the easier feelings to identify. And then you get to start to play. So you stand in the middle of the circle. You'll read one of the situation cards and the kids get to move to the mat to show how they would feel given the situation that you've just read. But then this is where the fun starts. So they don't just move to the mat, they get to create any silly fun movement to get to the mat of their choice. So they might be crab walking, they might be twirling, they might be stomping, they might be bunny hopping, whatever it is. And in doing that, if you are doing it in a group, you can play individually also. But if you're doing it in a small group, they build spatial awareness by needing to like be silly but controlled at the same time to get over to where they need to go. They also have this amazing visual representation of one singular situation that's been read and everybody responding to that situation in totally different ways. And so it allows for this really wonderful visual tool to build perspective taking skills and some really beautiful social skills that take place when we begin to understand that other people process the world differently than we do. So, and then, so that's the, the beginning stage, which is all around building an emotional vocabulary, building emotional expression, really connecting, like this is the situation and this is my emotional response to that situation. And then once kids really get the hang of that, 
there's a problem solving component too. So there's a number of problem solving cards where you can take some of the situations that have really been important for your kids and bring them to the center of the mat and have them work through it together. Look through all those problem solving cards. What is actually going to be the most effective? What maybe wouldn't work so well? And get kids out of this like, well, here's a problem. So I should take a deep breath, right? Like, okay, so if you are worried about a math test, sure, like that's really useful to calm your body down. But at the same time, there's also lots of tools that can help you speak to yourself positively leading up to something that's challenging. There are actual tangible things that you can do to prepare for a math test to make you feel more confident when you're approaching it, right? So from the small to the large situation, what are some strategies that will actually really help me? Not just, I'm supposed to say this. So what really is going to work and why? And getting kids to chime in about their different ideas and also you might use a very different strategy depending on how that situation makes you feel. And so bringing that back into your problem solving and understanding that when I have this type of emotional response, these things are really useful for me and these things aren't. So that's generally how you play. And one of the things that is so sort of beautiful as you watch kids play is that some of this content can make kids feel vulnerable. So feeling not good at something, feeling like something is hard. Those are things that Nobody wants to talk about necessarily. And it really reduces the vulnerability in answering those questions and doing some of the work of building these skills when kids are thinking about some fun, silly movement and they're figuring out how to make sure that they can do that silly movement, but not bump into somebody else. And because they can focus on that, they are much more able to engage in the sort of sharing that goes on. And in addition to that, a child does not actually have to speak about it to share with you how they feel. Mm. And that is enormous. So there are lots of kids who like to emote, who like to share about how they feel. And there are other kids who really have a hard time with that. And so you can play this game with as much sort of verbal, fabulous conversation as you want. Or if your kids aren't there yet, you just have them move. And they can tell you exactly how they feel without having to actually speak. So with any child, with any learning background can play. And that was the other, one of the really important goals of this game was to be inclusive, was to allow kids of any background, however it is that they are showing up in the world today, they can play. Typically developing kids can play. Uh, Neurodiverse kids can play. Kids with any, with a learning disability, a child with ADHD, a child on the spectrum, anyone can play. Even a child who is dealing with something like selective mutism, for instance. Yeah, nonverbal kids could play, yeah. Exactly. The goal with this game was to be inclusive and was to allow kids to access working on these skills in ways that feel approachable. That's what it's for. You know, it's beyond fabulous the way that it can be so tailored to the different scenarios, the different problem solving to different kids and it doesn't have to feel like we're categorizing them, right? Everybody needs to work on a lot of these things as kids since it's not something we explicitly teach a lot, very often. Practicing any of those skills is going to be amazing. Also, not even as an educator, but as a parent to learn where your kid is at. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to have a tool to enter a conversation. So, you know, sometimes just this, the beginning is hard as a parent to sort of get, get your child to feel comfortable talking about how they're doing. You know, a lot of the time kids are behavioral, you know, so you sort of notice how they're feeling sometimes 
by how they're behaving before they're ready to talk about it. And so, okay, so that's come up, right? So you have a child who's really resistant to writing, or you have a child who is uh, starting to get really irritable, and maybe that's because they're feeling not connected right now. You know, so there's a lot of things that could be underlying all sorts of behavior that we see. And it's a wonderful tool to get them to feel willing and, and even enjoy the process of actually sharing and starting to process some of what's going on for them. And then these tools, they're life skill tools. I mean, all of us need to be able to understand how certain situations make us feel so that we can approach them in ways that work for us. That is something that any child, any skill level needs. And we as educators and as parents, we need tools to help our kids to do that because these are skills that aren't just for today in the middle of a pandemic with all of the incredible stress that we're all facing. Yes, like that's really important at this moment, but also it's really important five years down the line that your kid knows these types of situations really make me nervous and these are the things that really help me to manage that. Like that is a life skill that many adults could really use. A hundred percent. Having that sort of metacognitive awareness about how they function in the world. This is good in relationships too. I'm sitting here thinking about how my husband and I can have the same, we both have such different opinions of the same situation and respond in totally different ways. A hundred percent. I feel like stomp it out the relationship version. Maybe that'll be next. <laughs> so talk a little bit about who this game is perfect for. Yeah, it's a great question. Okay, so generally the age range is 5 to 12, which is a large age range because the game is incredibly versatile, so you can use it in lots of different ways. So if you have a 5-year-old, you can use 3 to 5 feeling mats, mats that are easy for a late preschooler or early kindergartner to be able to approach and also have uh, situations that really line up with their experience. Your 12-year-olds they're much more advanced in terms of the experiences that they've had in terms of the emotional content that they've been exposed to and they can do more. So you can use it with older kids as well. In terms of the kids that like really, really benefit from this game, kids that are, that love to move. So I will say certainly for children with ADHD, but also kids that are just, that don't respond as well to just sitting in a chair and doing work, right? So for instance, you might know this about your kid when they tell you a story, if they use your body to tell the story, this is a great game for them. They are kids that express themselves through movement. Those kids really respond to this game. Kids that are more resistant to doing some of these things. So to talking about how they feel, to building up a different type of toolbox for how to handle things. So kids that have some behavioral challenges that really would benefit from understanding how to manage the situations that they're presented with in a different way. Those kids really, really respond to this game. Children with anxiety really respond to this game because the the movement really takes the vulnerability away. So it's a lot easier to sort of access that content without really sitting in that emotional space and being able to begin to process through. So those are like your prime target groups of kids. But I would say that it has been really positive for children on the spectrum. It has been a remarkable tool for children who are nonverbal as well. And then even my kids who are typically developing, even gifted, find the movement fun and engaging and so they're still more willing to do the work. So even kids that have less of like, I, they really need the game because other tools like this don't exist for them. So there are those kids and that's really important, but also for 
any child that where you want to build up some of their social emotional skill sets, where you want them to have to strong sort of emotional intelligence and to be able to approach challenges in ways that are constructive and that they build confidence through knowing how they feel about things and knowing what to do about it. This works for them. So there's definitely the target groups that I feel like there aren't enough resources out there like this for are definitely your kids that need to move are definitely those your kids with ADHD are definitely kids that are more resistant to the work. But I would say that I've never met a kid that didn't respond to it. And that's a long time. And I was thinking, you know, this also might be a really good game for kids that have processing disorders because understanding how sometimes to react and knowing beforehand is going to cut out the processing time of trying to figure out how to handle it. Absolutely. So 100%. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's also, yes, absolutely in terms of the content learned, and then also absolutely in terms of how they learn it. So there are auditory cues, there are visual cues, and there's movement. There aren't a lot of learners that aren't going to be supported by this because it incorporates all of those things so that if you have a child who really needs to move, or if you have a child who's an auditory learner, or if you have a child who the auditory piece is a little bit more challenging for them, but they have these visuals and the movement, they're going to be able to access this game and gain a lot of benefit from using it. And that goes back to the sort of the versatility piece, which is really that this is designed so that any child with any disability of any kind, with any learning difference of any kind, can gain a huge amount from playing the game. This is amazing. This really appeals to the game lovers in both of us, but also the preschool teacher and me. I was telling you before we hit record, we used to do a unit in my class because I felt it was so important. I was teaching pre-K, so it was really the last year before it was going to become more academic. A lot of these kids were going to be going on to quote unquote, competitive kindergartens that we're just kind of pushing them through. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the units that we did was really a unit about building social emotional awareness within themselves, but within others as well. So we would four or five pictures of every kid with very basic emotions, like show me your happy face, show me your sad face, show me your angry face, show me your confused face. And often angry and confused are very similar, but in addition to just being adorable to seeing four and a half year olds kind of emoting (laughs) when you tell them, show me your happy, it's like very expressive at four and a half, right? It's like full body. It's very expressive. (laughs) Yeah. Their whole body would get into it. Yeah, And we would laminate it onto a sentence strip. And then every day when they came in, they had to go put a paperclip or a clothespin on the emotions that they were having. And they could have more than one emotion at once. Absolutely. For kids to be able to actually identify where they are. And also for all of the adults, for everyone who's trying to help them to know where they're at and for a child to know that you understand where they are is enormous. From a learning standpoint, like kids really can't learn well until they feel emotionally safe. Yes. And so I love that you did that because it really like it sets them up to have a successful day, to be able to share where they're at, to understand that you as their teacher know exactly where they are so they can begin or so they can get something that they need so they can begin. So we can change the emotional clothespin. If you're coming in sad today, what can we do to move you over to happy? What do you need? And then we can kind of caretake them in that way. I would always encourage parents to do this at home simultaneously. So it was really becoming a part of the conversation. I would say maybe half did. They get bonus points for doing it at home too. That's awesome. Excellent. I love it. For Stomp It Out, 
that connection between home and school is so important and all of us having tools that we can use that allow us to build these skills and build them in ways that are easy to facilitate both in the classroom and at home is huge and so important and stomp it out as a resource is definitely one that can bridge between home and school and this is going to be so critical for families too because at some point i mean we are recording this in december this episode is coming out in january at some point we are going to go back to going to work physically. Kids are going to go back to physically doing school in person, whatever it looks like sort of incrementally. That is going to bring up a bunch of stuff for all of us as well. Re-entering society and what does that look like and what is that going to feel like, especially for those of us with anxiety, it's going to be stressful. It is. It's really stressful. You know, as hard as it was and is currently to make this transition, Yes. now we've made it. And there are all sorts of issues related to how we have to live right now, and we are not meant to not connect. And so there are long-term challenges related to that. But the idea that then we need to re-engage as well and get ourselves all through that transition is enormous. And it's enormous for adults. And we have tons of experience and we have tons of skills at our disposal and kids are still learning them and they're supposed to still be learning them and they need tools and we need tools for them so that we can help them to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people, including us, did extra resources on how to do this at home. We did a webinar on having your kids at home functional. Absolutely. We're going to have to support ourselves and each other in the same way of how do you reintegrate Mm -hmm. slowly. Okay, so guys... Your podcast in, let's say, I don't know when people are vaccinated in April. Yeah. Now we're transitioning back in academically. People are going to need your help. It's going to be interesting to see what sort of gems we come up with at that point. Because Steph, are you there mentally at all? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. We'll figure it out for our audience. We'll do something to help at that point. <laughs> the year of the pivot. We will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. The year of adjustment. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I know I've told you that my husband and I declared 2019 the year of travel. Yeah. And we had declared 2020 sort of foolishly the year of the house. And we were just going to make this new home our home. And it was like, what were we thinking in declaring that? Because it really came (laughs) true in a way that we weren't expecting. Yeah, that could not be any more accurate. Yeah. (laughs) The year of not leaving that home. Yeah, that's not what we meant. (laughs) (laughs) But now you have all this extra time at home to make it exactly what you want. So silver lining, everyone. We're looking for silver lining. Not to go into my stuff, but then you have to be able to make decisions about what you want. And what I do is I think about it for two months and then decide to do it. It's interesting that you say that because decision-making during this time period is actually quite a lot harder because we're all sort of in this higher stress state for longer than our bodies are equipped for. And so actually making decisions that are longer term are harder to make right now. Okay. Well, I would like you to text Adam that and tell him that. (laughs) I will text your husband shortly. (laughs) For when he's like, I think this should go up on the wall here. And I go, let me think about it for three to six weeks and I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) I'll get back to you. I'm going to need a month on that one. Something stupid (laughs) that he wants up on the wall. He's like, we should hang this. I'm like, how do you know so quickly that this is where you want it? Right. How do you know that it belongs here forever? (laughs) See, and I'm like, Adam, like, just put it up. And if I don't like it, I'll change it. I know, but we own the walls now. 
I know everything is fixable. Everything is figure outable. I know that intellectually. In the moment, it is difficult. Yeah. I'll just blame the pandemic and say like, we're in a higher level of stress and that's why I can't decide anything. So a hundred percent. I'll send you a quote that you can just text him every time he thinks you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So, okay. This question for you, one really big takeaway that you have experienced playing the game or watching kids play the game. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I have a story that is sort of what inspired me to make this in its form today. And it's when I was playing the initial version of the game with a student who really needed to build some emotional skill sets. He really needed to be able to understand how he felt to be able to express that more safely than he was and to build up some real coping and problem-solving strategies that he just didn't have at the time. A lot of behavior, a lot of other challenges were going on for him. And he would typically get fairly angry when trying to sort of work on emotions and trying to build some of those skills. And he was playing the game and was, you know, hopping around and crab walking around to the different mats. And out of nowhere, he says, Normally, these questions would make me so mad, but this is so much fun. Can we keep playing? And that is why I made it. I I obviously cannot name that boy, but he was really inspirational for me in making this because it was a tool that he absolutely needed. Now he is in a very, very different place emotionally and is doing incredibly well. And he needed some different tools. And I felt like Watching him play this early version of the game made me know that I needed to make it so that kids, so that for kids like him, that they had access to some of these skills in ways that they felt comfortable with. Does he know? He does. Good. That's happy. So glad we asked that question. Yeah. That's going to be so pivotal, probably for quite a number of them. It's going to be amazing. It's one of the reasons that both Steph and I connected with you so much is that we both feel a sense of a larger mission and how do we make a bigger impact beyond the direct clients that we're working with. And for Steph and I, it's the podcast and expanding awareness and expanding access to the work that we do. And for you, it's in allowing more kids the opportunity to have this experience with their clinician or with their parent or with their teachers, whoever the adult is facilitating it, so that they get that impactful moment as well that you may not even know about. Yeah. Does he remember? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, he does remember. Yes. Okay. He does remember because we used it a ton after that. And it was his primary way to be able to communicate through some of the challenges that he was having. And so he definitely remembers. And in addition to that, the artist that I worked with to create the characters worked in his classroom and was a support to him directly. And there's a ton of connection here. Oh, that's awesome. For a child to be able to play something that they know is designed for how their brain works, rather than them always trying to fit what works for everybody else, is huge. And that is what I wanted to achieve. I wanted to create something that was easy to use, that made kids feel like they can do it while they're building these skills. Low investment, high return. That's right. It's powerful to know that This was created for them. So often the world isn't established for them and they are having to figure out how to accommodate and modify themselves to make things work. And that's what sometimes can be a lot of the work that we do too. So it's lovely when there's space emotionally and physically for who they are in the world. 100%. So are you going to do one for teenagers? 
Well, that was my next question because this says level one, uh-huh. which implies. Yes. So there will be more. The feelings and motion as a company is really designed to change the way we're approaching emotional learning for kids and for teenagers. And so there is more to come, but it's a secret. So I can't tell you. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Will you tell us off air? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's great. So, okay. Can you please tell our audience how they can find this amazing game? Yes, absolutely. So there are two places. The primary place is Amazon, where everyone goes these days, where you can find Stomp It Out there. This is airing, I believe, on the 19th. So for the week that this is live, there will be a sale for you guys on Amazon. I also have a website where you can buy it directly there, which is www.stomp-it-out.com. Great. And so if you are listening to this down the road, and it's no longer January 2021, (laughs) reach out to Tara. Yes, send me a note. So stomp at feelingsinmotion.com. And if you are a listener, I can help you out there. So send me a note. Let me know that you're a listener of our episode here. And I will make sure that you get VIP treatment. Yay. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. Tara, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I can't wait. And we're really endorsing this. This gets our stamp of approval and our seal of approval, if that means anything to our audience. But this is just like you were a practitioner working directly with students and looking for something. You can't be the only one who's been looking for this. So hopefully our audience connects. And I can only imagine that they are all sitting out there with a student in mind who would benefit from a game like this. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you for having me here today. It's been really, really nice getting to catch up with you guys and sharing a little bit about Stomp It Out. Yay. I love it. See, have a great week, Smarties, Tara. Have a great week, Smarties. <laughs> <laughs> have a great week. Have a great week. <laughs>